0: Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Perhaps you read those words this morning, like I did when I was preparing for this sermon, and thought, that is easy for you to say, Paul. Because I I don't know. um, This week, it it was a week from somewhere south of... um, South. Uh, It... You know, and you're just dealing with all the all the stuff of life. You know, we had one of the members of the congregation die this week. You know, and you know, thanks be to God, we can celebrate that he is with Jesus in heaven. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie, that's a lot of extra work. Uh, and, and you know, it, not just for me, but for for the staff and and everybody else you know that's involved here. And you know, and then on top of that, you this. Crazy stuff with you know, masks and pandemics and people who think you know, we're ridiculously cautious and you know, shouldn't be doing the things that we're doing. And people who are on the other side going, I can't believe that people are singing in the church even though they're wearing masks. And it's like, okay, here we go. And, and then you know, you've got a political season on top of that. And then there are real issues In the world. Yeah, I called our politics fake just now, because that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, But there are people in Louisiana who have to rebuild. There are people out in California, their homes and their businesses and their property burnt to a crisp. And just over and over and over again. And it's kind of like, rejoice? Really? What are you thinking? Well, let, let, me, let me take you back to the first sermon in, in this series and, and remind you, because I, I know you hang on every single word in all of these and memorize them. Um, thank you for laughing, because that was a joke. All the way back to four weeks ago when we started this, when when we looked at where paul was when he wrote this letter he's in prison he's waiting a court date he's appealed to caesar and he's hoping that that eventually he'll be able to stand in front of caesar oh by the way which caesar was in charge at that time a guy by the name of nero You know, I'm sure he's feeling really good about, you know, those opportunities. Talk about a godless leader. And he writes, rejoice. Rejoice. You know, he... he, He's looking at, at, at his life and he's looking at his ministry and, and he knows that he's been telling people about Jesus' death and resurrection. He knows that's why he's in trouble. And he actually thinks that he might be getting to the end of his life. And so there's this beautiful line in, in Philippians where he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To live is Christ to, to, to be able to have the opportunity to keep sharing his salvation, to keep telling people the good news, to share in his sufferings, to look ahead to the resurrection and to be able to live in the, the hope and confidence that that gives us. To live as Christ. It's a good thing. But to die is gain. Because he knows that, that to die is to fully realize the eternal life that Jesus has promised him. That, that Jesus has promised you to enter into glory and to rest and to really know the power of Christ and his resurrection. For that's already at work in you. In other words, live or die You've got nothing to lose because Christ has given you the victory. That's not usually how we look at this, is it? You know, we, we tend to think in terms of what are our, what will we lose if I get sick? What will we lose if, if I, you know, I die? What, you know, we live in this constant fear of loss and the ultimate loss is the loss of, of life. And Paul basically says, live, die, we belong to Jesus. You have nothing to lose because your life is secure in him. You see, we can't keep these lives. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard you exercise, how carefully you eat, you know, eventually we're going to lose them. And as the Christian martyr Jim Elliott once wrote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. In Christ, you have eternal inheritance and eternal life that you cannot lose. You've been entrusted with this life for, for a period of time. You've been entrusted with these bodies and with this breath and and. and And he has given this to you to to, to live, to live for Christ's sake, to be his hands and his feet, to serve your neighbor without fear, to to be his lips and his mouth, to proclaim that God is here. The kingdom of heaven has come. That God did not come with wrath and vengeance, but he came in mercy and love. You've been entrusted with this life to be God's agents of subversive grace in a world that's focused on orderly performance. You have been entrusted with this life as people who are aliens and strangers in this world. We don't think of ourselves like that very often, do we? Oh, this is home, Hudson is home. No, as great as Hudson, Stowe and Streetsboro and Twinsburg and as great as all this is, this isn't home. There is a new and better place that is prepared for you so that we live as aliens and strangers in this world who look ahead to a better, a heavenly home that is being prepared for us in Christ. Remember, before he was crucified, he says, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come and I will take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. That's what this is all about. So yes, Rejoice. Rejoice in God's blessings. Rejoice in those earthly blessings. Is it good and right to rejoice in bratwurst and fried chicken? Yeah. Is it good and right to rejoice in your, your, your lazy boy and you know, your, your comforts of your home? Certainly. These are gifts and blessings that we have in our lives. Now, we don't want to have them become what our lives are all about. We recognize them as gifts to hold lightly and to to rejoice in and to receive them. But the good things that we have in our lives, yeah, we give thanks for them the wealth, the family. Because we don't get to keep our families, do we? Eventually, if everything goes the way that it should, right? I will die before my children and my grandchildren. And I won't have them anymore. I'll be there with Jesus. And hopefully they will come and join me someday. But you don't get to keep your hands on them and make their choices for their whole lives, do you? And so we give thanks for them. And we rejoice in the gift that God gives While not holding so tightly and being obsessed with everything in this world, but giving thanks for the blessings and the gifts God gives. And we give thanks for the spiritual blessings that He gives, blessings that are more real than these earthly blessings. Because we remember that the grass withers, the flowers fall, but it is Christ, His love, His forgiveness, His salvation that are eternal. And so we rejoice in these too. And Paul says, let your reasonableness be known to all. Now, there's a little bit of translation weirdness with that word reasonableness. Some translate this as uh, let your gentleness be known to all. That's that's pretty good. But the idea here is actually um, that we have a, a courtesy about us. That that comes from a a faith and confidence that does not hold too tightly to the things of this world. So that when bad things happen to us, you know, we see that in light of eternity and it's like, yeah, that's small. So I don't have to be a jerk in the moment. I can be kind and merciful and loving. It's... It's responding to people with compassion and mercy and not getting all anxious about the future or or our current problems because we know the Lord is at hand. We know the Lord is at hand and he has this all in hand even when it doesn't feel like it. He is working all things to the good of those who love Him. He is working all things to that final end. Remember, when you look at the scriptures, you can see, you can see a, a, an overarching theme. We go from creation to fall, this message of God's salvation, and it ends in a new creation. And the day will come when all will be made new. And all of the stuff in between, all of the the sorrows and the hurts, they're wiped away. And all that will matter on that day is Jesus and the hope and the life and the salvation that he won for us. Jesus says, Behold, I will be with you always. Always. We know His love and forgiveness and mercy. We know that His kingdom has come to us. So, as hard as this is sometimes, we don't need to be anxious about anything. And so, with prayers and, and supplications and with thanksgiving, we come before God. And do not forget the thanksgiving. I'm not talking about the turkey. You know, it's interesting, I read an article a while ago and I was talking about uh, depression and anxiety. You know, and, and there are all kinds of issues with depression and anxiety in our world. You know, and people are like, well, what do we do to push back against depression and anxiety outside of meds? You know, people are like, well, you need to have these kind of fun, happy experiences. And they found that that really doesn't work. And what actually works is gratitude. That gratitude pushes back against depression and anxiety, saying thank you to the Lord for all of these earthly gifts. And it might be as simple as a moment at your dinner table when you're gathered as a family, taking hands around, giving thanks for the food. If you're really daring, giving thanks for the people around the table, those loved ones that are with you. And if you're really, really pushing the envelope, giving thanks for the salvation that Jesus has won for you. To give thanks to God for all that he has done. We make our requests to God. Not Not as beggars, but as beloved children. Think about that for a second. Parents, have, did your children or have your children ever asked you for something that was just utterly ridiculous? There was no fear in their hearts that, you know, you're going to look at, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, kid, go away. They have this confidence in your love, That's how we approach God, as he invites us to call him our father and to really believe that he loves us as a dear father loves his beloved children. And that's how we approach him, with prayers and thanksgiving and supplications. And when we do that, the peace of God protects us. His peace protects our our hearts and our minds and and it keeps all things in perspective. The perspective of God's love as we experience it in Christ's cross. Because if God loved us that much, if Jesus loved us that much, he says, yeah, I'm gonna stand in their place and suffer and die for them. If we are loved that much, how will he not give us all we need for this life and the next? So rejoice. Give thanks. And whatever is is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. It is so easy to get wrapped up in the negative stuff, isn't it? To get down in those weeds. And he's saying, Lift up your eyes, see the salvation that God has prepared for you. Think about these things. And then live the life of faith. God will be with you. And because God is with you, you're free. You're free to rejoice. You're free to use your blessings. You're free to live in God's peace and his spirit's upon you. So rejoice. He strengthens you to face every challenge that this life, that this world throws at you so that in his strength, you can overcome And you can take hold of the joy and the victory that Jesus has won for you. Amen.